out there. Um, keys just get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, we'll see if good things will happen for us. Yep, we're back. Episode 67 of Just Dishing It. Joined, uh, as always, by John Tudes Tutor, my co-host. I am playing the role of producer today. I am the substitute teacher, as it were, filling in for Big D. Derek Hoskin had a prior engagement. But, uh, Tudes, how's it going, buddy? It's going well. Good to be back. I don't know. I miss this every week, man. I'm, I know. Just, I'm happy to be here. Long day today. We got the 5.30 p.m. coffee going right now. I'm buzzing. Oh, man. Got to get that in there if you need it, right? It's one of those days. Tuesdays can be like that sometimes, though, right? Where it's worse, like... Worse than Mondays. Uh, Monday, Mondays, I brace for it, and then Tuesdays come around, and I, I realize I wasn't quite ready. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely very curious to ask our guest... Um, what his least favorite day of the week is if he has one, but uh, I think we should jump right into it. One thing I will say though, before we bring him in, we got to give a round of applause. Congrats to the Colorado avalanche are yep. very, very honorable win. Um, I don't think the Tampa Bay lightning are done, but uh, it would have been cool to see the three in a row. Hasn't been done since the Islanders of the early eighties, but that was an awesome, awesome series. I wish it went seven, but we got a good amount packed into six games there. So um congrats to the Colorado Avalanche you can't really root against those guys on that no, you team can't. you really can't and shout they out Kale McCarr too 23 years old kid's got a world junior gold medal he's got a Conn Smythe a Stanley Cup and, Norris. A, and a Norris now already yeah, he's not bad Jeez. not bad all right let's not waste any more time uh we're gonna bring in our next guest here really excited to have him on uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder of Avalon Sports Group, Daver Montez. Daver, appreciate you doing this, my friend. Good to see Let's you. How are you? Boys. How are you guys doing today? Great, How man. How are you? Awesome, man. Excited to be here. Appreciate you guys for, for having me on. I know we've been uh, talking about this for, for a few weeks now, and uh, nothing. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Um, you were saying the 67th episode, man. Congratulations. Crazy, bro. We're in this industry. Uh, and it's hard. It's hard yeah. to keep keep it consistent and, and over 50 episodes. That's pretty good. So congratulations to you guys. I appreciate that, man. That means a lot coming from you. Really, really appreciate it. I it just, That's what it is, though. It's consistency, right? I mean, yeah. so much of it's consistency and in, in doing the content game and everything like that. But um, I mean, for you, I, where do we begin here? I mean, one thing I was talking to, uh, you know, our, you know, my, uh, one of my partners here, Nick, who you work with very closely, um, he said I had to bring up this your soccer story, right? Like <laughs> because I mean, obviously you were a pro soccer player, so big soccer guy myself. So I'm always very curious to dive into that. Um, but like, you know, let's just start at the beginning. Like, that's just kind of what you did growing up. You're from Colombia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So, so I'm from Colombia, uh, and and. Um... Yeah, I know a lot of people, especially here at Northern Buffalo, they don't really like soccer. I think, you know, it has to do because we don't have a soccer team here. Uh, I think we have FC Buffalo or something like that, but we don't have a professional soccer team. Um, so I grew up in Colombia. Uh, I fell in love with the game when I was probably seven. Uh, I started playing um, when I was seven. You know, my dad, he, he took me to a few academies and everything. Um, and nothing, man, I just, you know, developed. And uh, at the age of 14, um, I got my first offer to play overseas in Argentina wow. uh, for for uh, River Plate, which is one of the biggest clubs in, in South America. Um, wow. So it was crazy because at the time, so think about this, I'm 14. Like, bro, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baby. I'm 14 <laughs> years old. Yeah. I got a contract. I can start making money. And we had to make this move. I, I remember like that conversation with my parents. We were in the dining room and, and they're like, well, I mean, you know, you can, you, you, you're in school right now. Like you can't really do that. And my dad asked me, he's like, like, do you want to do this? Like, is this something you want to pursue? And I said, yeah, I want to do it. Um, and it's crazy. He trusted me. He's like, all right, let's do it. So he, he pulled me out of school at that time. And man, we, we went to Argentina, which is, it's really far. I mean, that's, that's the, you know, you got Colombia up North and then you got Argentina here. So it's about eight hours by plane yeah. really far. So he went, he went with me to Argentina. He stayed with me there for a month and then he left. 
because obviously he had you know my brother and his stuff and uh, so I had to stay in Argentina. Um, you know, I started living by myself at the age of 14 with other players. So, you know, the craziest part was me cooking, doing my laundry. Uh, I didn't know any of that, bro. And, yeah. you know, it was it was hard for me, obviously, missing my parents, my you know, my friends. Everything was different. The environment was very, very competitive. Um, you know, I, I, get back, I got back into school in Argentina and all that stuff. Um, and I played there for about six years. So all, all those years in Argentina, very, very competitive. Um, I think the best years of my life, honestly, uh, just, just doing what I, what I, what I loved, um, and, and learn so much about the game and about, I mean, you know, I, I know we're going to talk about it, but really what, what the, the values that you learn through the sport is something that you can't oh. learn, you know, everywhere else. It's just crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, so looking back at that, bro, it's just it's crazy. I mean, it was it was it was a crazy journey. Um, but yeah, that's how everything started. Did you have a, a moment where there was like because I like I know that's the big pretty much the biggest club in Argentina where you like were training with like another player where you're like, oh my god, like I'm on oh, the yeah. same field as this guy, dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we got so we got the the old Colombian uh Falcao number nine striker. Oh wow. Um, I, I I was with him. I was Iguain was there at the time. I mean, you got you got some some crazy names that I mean you I remember like I would walk by them and I didn't even I didn't even want to make eye contact with them. Like <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm like, you know, you 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 grow up watching them, you kinda you, you kind of don't want to bother them and stuff. Yeah. Um, but just listening to the conversations, just just looking at them, the way they behave, the way they train, the way they take care take care of their body. It's it's just crazy. I mean, you'll see. I remember you'll see Falcao, first dude in the locker room, last one to leave, always doing you know treatment rehab. So if a dude like him is doing that, I mean, you you have to do the same thing. Like it's just expected for you to do it, right? So yeah, you kind of learn that. Um, so it's crazy. It's crazy to see. And and now that I get to work with you know and you know the NFL is different, football is different, but. Now that I get to see how these athletes prepare, I can definitely see how the off the field stuff is just so important. And sometimes it's even more important than when you do on the field because you're just building from Monday through Saturday, right? And yeah. then on Sunday, it's literally just repeat what you've done the entire week. So yeah, uh, it's just crazy to think about. That's what they say, right? For like practice and preparation, like you should be doing it harder. It should be harder than the games if you're preparing, right? That's that was what like my dad always gave me advice for playing yeah. sports. You know, hockey specifically is like practice like you play. That's yeah. and then the game's easy. But um, I definitely think you know there's a lot of overlap we can get to with you. You know, being a professional athlete yourself at one time and getting into starting, you know, Avalon and everything like that, but. How the heck did you get to Buffalo all the way from Argentina, right? In Colombia. Crazy. Yeah. So, um, so I, I played for River until I was um, 17, uh, 18, I'm sorry, 18. Um, they offered me an extension, but I really didn't see a clear path to the, to the first team. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, well, I got to make a move here. So I got an offer to play in Germany. Uh, so I moved to Germany after um, playing in Argentina for six years, moved to Frankfurt, um, played there for a couple of years. Um, Eintracht for Frankfurt? Uh, for, for the, yeah, it's like Frankfurt FC, which is like the, like Bundesliga three. Oh, okay, cool. Um, um, and I, man, I, it was, it was crazy. Just, just going from Argentina to Europe, different level of play, different speed. I didn't speak, well, I didn't speak English and I didn't speak German. So I only spoke Spanish. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I, I, you know, I get to Germany and like all these people are like trying to speak to me in German and then they realized they speak German and they would try in English. I didn't speak English. It's like, bro, like you got to figure it out soon because they weren't going to give me a chance. They, they were looking at me like I had to learn. So that was kind of crazy. Um, so I went through it. Um, it was crazy. I mean, I got to experience crazy things, play with, with awesome players too. And on my second year playing in Germany, I tore my ACL. Oh. Um, crazy game. I, I still remember that play. Um, I didn't think I turned my ACL. I, I I thought it was just like a you know pull something, mm -hmm. um, but you know after the 24 hours after my my knee bro was just looking like a freaking balloon. He was, yeah. he was swollen and weighing at the MRI, MRI and like yeah you turn your ACL. So um, I oh. never had an injury like that um, in you know eight years. And so I was like damn. So 
So at that point, I started my rehab, um, and then I met who's my wife now. Uh, she was she was like, you know, doing like an exchange program and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, why don't we, uh, you know, why don't we go to? She said, why don't we go to New York and you do the rehab in New York? You know, I was tired. I didn't want to be in Germany. It was so cold there. And when she said New York, I thought she meant New York City. She's New York. She's all the time. She's like, bro, I'm from New York and like New York, New York, New York. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, um, because I was, you know, when I was playing in River, I um I played uh, in San Francisco for a year. They loaned me to a team there. And oh, I cool. love the US. So I was like, yeah, the US, beautiful, whatever. So she's like, let's go to New York to the rehab. When we land in Buffalo, I'm like, I mean, this does not look like New York City at all. This is not New York, right? You know, yeah. yeah, you know, it's Buffalo. We're like five hours away from New York, whatever. I'm out here. Finished my rehab and everything. Um, and at that time, bro, we just had a life. Like we just, I was tired of traveling. I was tired of, of the industry. I was tired of the pressure. I was tired of not seeing my family. Um, and I, I, you know, I was engaged. Um, so I was like, I was like, I think it's it's time for me to just pull the trigger and and step away from the game, uh, which was really hard. Um, uh, yeah. But but yeah, she, pretty much she's the reason why why I moved to Buffalo. So that's awesome, man. Dudes, hop in here. What do you got? I just at first I think that's awesome that you know you think you're going to New York City and you end up in Buffalo because that's <laughs> that's always the joke around here in Western New York, right? When someone asks you where you're from and you're like, oh, I'm from New York, and everyone just assumes the city. So that's yeah, yeah, hilarious it ended up that way, but. Yeah, I mean, going through as a as a kid, right, playing soccer and kind of starting off your your sports career. At what point? Obviously, you signed pro at fourteen, but at what point was that a reality? Like, did you know when you were like ten years old, like I'm sick, I'm better than these other guys, and like I have a chance to go? Or how young do they make that determination? Because that's something about soccer that's always fascinated me with how young guys get pulled up to high ranks that's crazy that's crazy and that's and that's a great question and i think there's there's two parts to that one is i truly believe like i truly believe that kids should not be signing contracts at 14 years old regardless of how good they are like that's just my 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 take because i remember i was like it changes everything for you in terms of like you're 14 years old you're making more money than a 25, 30 years old, but you're 14. You're not, you're not ready for that. Yeah. But, but, but in South America, especially in Europe, they look at you as a number, right? So if you perform, if you're, if you have talent, they don't really care about your school. They don't really care about what happens if you don't make it. They just care about what you bring to the table. Right. And that's kind of crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I feel like the U S is doing really good. It's making sure that, you just look at the NFL, like, okay, you don't make it, but you have your college degree or you have a few years at least in, so you, you have a backup plan. You have an opportunity, but in soccer, um, it's like, if you don't make it, like some of these kids, I, I was blessed because I was, I came from a family that, you know, my, my dad had a company, like they, they did well. So I, I would have been fine. But some of my teammates, um, if they didn't make it, they probably will be working construction or working minimum wage in South America, which is different than working minimum wage here, right? So yeah. it's a cruel industry. Um, and the other part of the question is, when I was 14, I, I thought I really played for fun, so I really didn't think, like, oh, I'm going to be the next star or, like, I'm going to play or I'm going to get paid for it. Um, but you you can tell when, like, kids want to play with you. Like, kids want to pull you for their teams and, like, you get coaches asking about, like, Hey, you want to play for my team and stuff like that. So at that point I, re- I realized I was like, well, I'm good at this and I have fun. Uh, and so I, I started kind of cutting attention from, from scouts. And that's when my dad was like, well, if you're doing this and you really like it, let's make sure you get something out of it. Uh, and that's when I did, you know, my tryouts and, and everything. Um, so I think, especially when you're so young, I feel like it's easier as you grow. I feel like the labels that like you start to level up with other kids, but when you're young and talented, I feel like it's easier for scouts to tell like, okay, that's that kid's different. So they try to get you kind of like when you're younger, so they, they pay you less money, honestly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Interesting. So interesting. Yeah, that that I always I've always found as fascinating and just 
just the way that that kids become professionals so young that's wild but do you think that's something that gave you an edge as you've gotten into let's call it your second career now because you learned how to be a professional so young where let's face it here in the States, you know, when I'm playing sports at 14 years old, like I was not, I was not at treatment before I was not taking great care of my body. I was slamming a hot dog and going out and playing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I was, I was 14 14 years old doing that. So do you think that prepared you to where you were almost light years ahead of other 20 somethings when they were starting their careers uh, as you were after soccer? Yeah, I really think so. I mean, and I think not only in the sport, but I think as a man, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 28 and I've lived in like probably seven different countries over the past, you know, since I was 14 to now, so over the past 14 years. Um, and most of the time I was by myself. So I had to figure out where to live. I had to figure out how to take care of myself. I had to figure out how to perform. Um, so it definitely helped me kind of like, feel like, I was almost an adult when I was 15, 16. It's got, you know, the good part of it is like you're ready and like kind of like challenges that you can face and everything. I feel like you're better prepared. But then on the other side, you kind of wish that you had more time to enjoy those years, right? Like I joke with my wife because she's like, you know, she she talks about prom and she talks about she was the queen of her prom and stuff like that. And she makes jokes about like, hey, how was your prom? I was like, I didn't have one, right? Like, stuff like that. Like I went to like five, six different schools. So I don't have those, those roots. And so I have like friends all over the place. And like, when I'm here, I, I see her, right. She's got the grandma, she got friends. And like, I have like my, my circle is just all over the place. So I don't have really, you know, homies Columbia, but like really have like my heart in multiple places. Um, so you have to be okay with it. Um, but I do think, you know, when you look at kids now, and I, I look at like sports here in Buffalo, for example, and the kids and the competitiveness, the competitiveness of it. And I think that um, I think they should raise the bar a little bit for kids, not necessarily to make them professionals, but just to your point of like, okay, how can I take care of my body, right? So like, instead of giving you a hot dog, why don't you have like, you know, grilled chicken with like mashed potatoes or something that's good for your body, right? Because, you know, even if you don't make it, you still want to be in good shape when you're out of your sport, you know, not because you just want to look good, but because of your health. So I feel like yeah. a lot of that stuff, the 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 kind of like the, the competition and in, in, in being competitive, I feel like it helps you shape your future, right? Um, so I think that's that's something that that I think, you know, talking about like local sports in the U.S. here, I think that would be something that, that I could see uh, they could, you know, improve on. Yeah. So what about as far as like, you know, to kind of piggyback on that, your sort of like how those lessons and things you picked up and the knowledge that you gained at such a young age, the advantages that put you at or gave you like certain insight when you decided to start, you know, your, you know, Avalon sports, like, um, you know, I, I guess we should dive into how you started Avalon Sports and everything and how you got into this this realm and this line of work before we dive into what I first asked you. But so that's, what's the story behind Avalon? That's the craziest story ever. And in this story, I hope I hope that people can take something from this because this definitely has less behind it. So I'm in Buffalo, right? First year after retirement, um, was probably the hardest year of my life. I mean, I was depressed. I couldn't sleep. Um, you playing and me just being so young and just knowing that I still could play. Um, but I was still, you know, rehabbing. I had made a choice. I was like, it was hard. It was hard. That's 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 another thing. And and we're gonna dive into why we do an album. But post retirement, man, it's tough. It's tough because you do something for so long. And you think you're gonna play forever, but you're not gonna play forever. Whether you're Ronaldo, Messi, Mahomes, like it doesn't matter. You're not gonna play forever. But you don't. People tell you know. People tell you like, yeah, you gotta get ready for post retirement, and like you gotta think about you know something. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I will. But the reality is, while you're doing it, 
Um, the only thing you, you want to do is play. So I was completely lost. I have not, you know, I had nothing. I was in Buffalo. And I think that was a good thing for me of being here is that I didn't have soccer around me. So all it was football and the bills and the bills and the bills and the bills. And I hated football. I'm like, these dudes are stopping every, every 10 seconds. Like I'm used to like going right. Yeah. And every five yards, I'm like, my wife was like, you have to watch this. I'm like, I hate it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to know about it. I don't like football. Like, please don't. Like, I hate it. And I was bitching about it all the time. Um, so funny story is second year, right? Into my second year post retirement. And my former agent, he's like, dude, um, you know, we were having a conversation like this. And I was talking about like all the opportunities that I felt like I left on the table because I didn't have someone by my side helping me with like a lot of stuff. Because, you know, besides or before my former agent, bro, I had two agents that, and that's another story. We had some crazy stories with them um, about money, contracts and stuff like that. So I was really disappointed. Um, And I said, dude, I was like, there has to be someone or something that, that, you know, that can help these players go through this process and you don't have to go through what I'm going through right now. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should just think of doing something with NFL guys. And I'm like, I'm like NFL. I'm like, I thought I was like, those dudes probably don't even care. Like, whatever. <laughs> so a friend of mine, he was, uh, he's, he works with me now. He's a creative director. I have one. He's a graphic designer. And he's like, he's like, dude, I was watching. He's in Colombia. He's like, I was watching the Bills. And bro, it's like, they have a lot of fans. They have a lot of, of push. Do you want to do something? Like, we created an Instagram for Avalon Media, and we we, we were kind of just going around saying, hey, let's do marketing. We didn't know what to do, right? So he said, why don't we, he, he's really talented. He's like, why don't I get one of those, like, guys, pick, pick someone from the roster, and I make a graphic, and I put it out and, and see what happens. And I'm like, sure, I'm not sure to go, go ahead. He goes out, and he picks Lorenzo Alexander, linebacker, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem was the problem is that he picked Lorenzo and he had already retired. But I didn't know. I didn't know anything about football. So he picked Lorenzo. He makes the graphic, whatever. He puts it out. He tags Lorenzo, and he's like, "Dude, look!" And I was like, "Yeah, it looks cool." I started getting messages from like my uh, my bro- my brother-in-law here is like, "Dude, like, do you know Lorenzo retired?" And I'm like, "Damn!" I'm like, "Bro, you didn't do your research. Like, like these dudes retired." <laughs> like whatever, whatever. An hour goes by. I get a DM from Lorenzo. And he's like, yo, dude, that's that graphic is so sick. Like, thank you. And I'm like, yeah, you're welcome, bro. I was like, yeah. And I, I t- told him straight up, like, hey, you know, I'm a former pro soccer player in Buffalo. We're trying to do these with players. Um, what do you think? He's like, hey, I'm down. Let's talk. All of a sudden, an hour after, I'm on the phone with Lorenzo. And I'm like having a conversation. We have like an hour conversation about our thoughts, about everything. And he's like, you know what? Let's work. He's like, I just retired. Let's work. So that that graphic, that mistake changed everything because after that, he brought Shaq Lawson, who was her first client. And then after Shaq, we got Zach Moss, Jordan Poyer, Levi, and then, and then he was just like a snowball. And now we got over 25 players in the NFL. Um, we have baseball players. Um, but because of that, because of that mistake, it wasn't anything that we planned. Um, you know, Lorenzo opened, and Lorenzo still works with us. He opened a door for us, uh, and we made sure that we deliver for them, and 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 here we are. So that's that's the story right there. That's awesome. That's fucking incredible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh now, man. Now before we go any further, I do have to ask: Do you still hate football? No, I love football now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't. Not as not as much as soccer. Yeah. Um, but sure. I think it's crazy. And I, and like, you know, learning, like, I remember my first year in business, I would be with, I, I don't know, I would be with Jordan and I'll, I'll be with whoever. And like, they will be talking about plays and I'd be like, and like, they will, they will know, like, I didn't get anything like, like, you know <laughs> what I'm saying, bro. And then he, they will break it down for me. They're like, this is how, this is how it goes. Like, this is the rule. This is how you're supposed to do it. So like, I keep getting trained by them, which was funny. Cause, cause like, people were like, bro, you work with them. Like you're supposed to know. I'm like, I'm still like learning, you know, yeah. um, but I love, I love football, but, and, and I, you know what I think the thing I, I love the most about football here is that I feel like the NFL, especially they try to put on a show for the people, right? right. 
like they try to make sure that you really enjoy the game and they keep fans they make fans a, a priority and that really doesn't happen in soccer so i can see i mean that's why we're in business because because it's a huge it's a huge um you know money you know maker whatever they're doing it's crazy uh, but I, I i love that they take care of of the fans so yeah, it's the NFL. It's definitely a huge market, lots of opportunity there. But I still can't get over just the Lorenzo thing. That's it's amazing. It's just like that's just again, if that's not a lesson enough, right? To, to folks like just just shoot your shot, do something cool, throw it out there. You don't know what's gonna happen. Right. You know, right. you already have you already have a no. Like you and and you know, I was I was speaking in Toronto. I was with Nick in Toronto yeah. two three days ago. Um talking about marketing and I was telling them, I was like, you already have a no. Like if you don't go out and say, and say anything, like it's a no, you're not doing anything. Like mm-hmm. what's it cost to DM 10, 15 people, you know, and that Lorenzo story, like, 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 I mean, like we're the, we're the biggest, the only really agency in Buffalo doing what we're doing by right, right now we're a national company, but I'm not from Buffalo. I have no ties. I have no contacts. I don't know anything about football. So how do you explain that I got into football? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like some things is just like you said, you gotta shoot your shot. And then when someone opens out the door and gives an opportunity, just make sure you're ready and make sure you you deliver, you know? And yeah. that's just the, just the beginning. That's amazing. I love it so much. Tudes, what do you got? Yeah, just kind of a couple follow-ups for the Buffalo tie there. So obviously starting with Lorenzo, you know, huge, huge bill, um, you know, fan favorite the last decade. Um, did you start in Buffalo and then get that national presence because you had clients that, you know, either were free agents and left Buffalo to go to a different team or got traded. And now you've got, you know, like, you know, you mentioned Levi, like he's in Pittsburgh now and, you know, certain things like that. Is that kind of how you expanded or was it more, you know, Hey, my buddy would love a guy that does this too. Like, let me introduce you to him and he's on this team. Yeah. Yeah. So the first outer player, out of market player that we, that we got was, uh, was Grady Jarrett defensive tackle for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and Lorenzo brought him out to the table because uh, he saw what we we're doing in Buffalo. And even even when we started working with Shaq and, and with Zach Moss and all those guys, I remember when I met with them, I said, you know, my first goal is to take your brand out of Buffalo. Because here's the thing with Buffalo. Buffalo is a beautiful city, it, crazy fans, amazing fans. I think the best fan base in the NFL by, you know, by a mile. It's crazy. But as when we talk about marketing and when we talk about opportunities, our players are being underpaid and they're not being recognized as players from Miami, California, Texas. I mean, there's no way to explain that Dolphins players are getting better deals than Bills players. You know, they're performing now. So, so why is that? Because it's Miami. Mm-hmm. So when we came into it, we're like, hey, we have to change the narrative here and yeah, we're going to do business in Buffalo, but I want you guys playing in Buffalo and I want you guys doing business with companies in California, Miami. Like I want you to work with national brands. And so that's how we approach it. Right. So with Zach, for example, Zach Moss first year in the NFL, we started getting endorsements from, you know, Utah where he played in college, California, um, national TV, good morning football. Like we started doing things where that's what happened. Like, vets in the locker room were like looking at Zach we're like like yo like you're in the NFL and I and and like for a year and I've been like six seven years in and like you're doing all this stuff so how that's how the locker room found out about us and that's how your employer got to us because when I met Jordan Jordan had been in the NFL that was his eighth year eight years in the NFL and I remember I sat down with him and he's like yeah, man, you know, eight years in the NFL, have no logo, have no website, do, don't do interviews, don't do paid endorsements, all this stuff. And, and, and that was when I met him, like right after he came out with the statement about, you know, he struggles with alcohol and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I was like, dude, like this is an opportunity for us to just go out and just turn these from, you know, um, I'm an alcoholic to, hey, um, I, um, I'm recovered now and like I want to use my platform to help others. And that changed everything right mm-hmm. now you see Jordan's an old pro he's still 
the underdog. He gets a lot of disrespect from national media. But but when you talk about his brand, foundation, clothing brand, you got golf tournaments, you got endorsements from national brands. Like, like we changed that. And I feel like you got you to gotta do that, especially here. If we want to bring awareness to Buffalo, it's important for us to, to, to bring national attention. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I hope yeah, that answered your question. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like growing – and again, it's setting up where with something you touched on earlier about like the soccer situation where you're from, right? They don't, you're a number. They don't care if you make it. Though they care if you make it, but if you don't, it's like whatever, right? It's just right, like, right, exactly. You right. Exactly. So you're bridging yeah. that gap now in post playing career where it's like you're, you're helping to, we talk about it all the time on the show. It's like, you've got to set guys up for when they're done playing. Cause you don't mm-hmm. play forever. And that's mm-hmm. what those, you know, you play in Buffalo, but you get endorsement deals with companies from California and Texas, right? Like you're, you're putting all these different feelers out there and just laying the seeds of opportunities for when you're done playing and establishing a brand. Like it's right. beautiful, yeah. and, that's right. it. And that's the biggest thing is like money comes and goes, right? You can get an endorsement for a hundred K 200 K whatever. But is that, is that really going to change your life? No, it's not. It's not going to do it. What's going to change life is the perception that people have on you and the brand. That's, that's everything. Because I'm telling you the, the moment you're like, I'm a former player, everything changes. Like the amount of messages you get, the phone calls, the amount of phone calls you get, it's not the same Same. Hey, I play for X team. I'm saying, yeah, I used to play for that team. People look at you different. It's just, it's a reality. So Lorenzo is a perfect example for that. He retired. Man, he works now. Right now he's on the board for the NFLPA. He works with us. He does broadcasting for NBC and stuff like that. Look, look at Lorenzo's career. I look, he's, he started playing, I think, for special teams. Um, I think same thing in Buffalo. He's linebacker. Um, he wasn't a quarterback. And look at like how he said now, and he's got all these opportunities because he cared about building his brand, you know, throughout his career. Um, so that's really our goal with, with our guys. Look, like you said, just to help them be successful, you know, off the field. Um, and every case is different, right? What Jordan wants to do, what Tyreek Hill wants to do, what Levi wants to do. So we can't really put players in one bucket and do um, the same thing, right? Every person's different. Yeah. So you, ha- you kind of have to like, custom made a plan for for each individual right so that's i think that's that's one of the things that, that i guess we do we do best yeah i was gonna say do you find that like other agencies that you're getting these guys from from they kind of do that where it's just like oh you're with us this is what we did for this player this is what we're gonna do with you and they think it's just gonna work yeah like, is that what you see a lot yeah so it's funny how you know when we started we started competing with with agents like when we start agents will look at us as, as competition and like, no, don't, 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 you know, don't like, they will tell players don't work with them. But then they realize that, that they just couldn't keep up with us because I mean, let's, let's face it. And you know, agents, their business is to get good contracts for the players, which is, I mean, obviously it's really important and they get paid and then they move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. They're not going to stick with the player to do like all the dirty work. Cause that's not, it's just not their business. Mm-hmm. So they, they realized after a while that instead of competing with us, they should just have us help them build their brands. Cause at the end of the day, you know, if you had a 24 year old, we, we help and we build that brand when the next contract comes, their value is going to be up. So they're going to make more money. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how it is now. And now, man, we have, you know, we're blessed to be working with, you know, Drew Rosenhaus, athletes for CAA sports. We work with the biggest agencies in the country um, and we're part of their teams now. So like if they need something that will come to us, like with Tyreek Hill, we're, we're uh, producing the podcast. Uh, it needed to be said, which you guys have probably seen all the stuff that he said about Tua and, and my homes and like all that. Yeah. Um, so that was us. Um, and we got that through, through Rosenhaus who happens to be Jordan's agent. So again, we deliver with Jordan. They know what we can bring to the table. You prove your value, and then they came to us and say, "Hey, we got we got this. You guys, you know, can can help out." And, and obviously, you know, we say, "Of course." And and now we're working with him on our project. So uh, I think it's all about with these guys. It's all about building relationships where they really are family to us. Um, 
and then just like any other business, you, you gotta you gotta deliver, right? Whatever you promise, you just gotta make sure that that you execute. Tudes, I cut you off there before I asked them that question. What did you have? Yeah, I had one, but I'm kind of gonna switch gears on it here after <laughs> after that. But um, so obviously, working with the players' images, their brands, everything like that. Is there conversations that you have to have with different teams and their PR staff? Was there a little hesitation on their end with these guys going out and kind of doing their own thing as far as how it reflects on their team? And how do you handle that? Yeah, man, it's a tough question. I like it. Um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about we're not gonna talk about teams in specific, but we're gonna talk about teams in general. So. Yep. Players, and like I said, I'm a former player myself, sometimes you don't really trust the organization, right? Mm, because you feel like, again, what, what what Benny was saying, you feel like you looked at as a number, right? It's not like that every time, but it's just, it's just a feeling that you have as a player, right? So you tend to rely on your agent or whoever you have on your side. So we are that person. I am that person or whoever's on my team is that person for, for the guys, right? So at first, there was a little bit of like, just like booking interviews or or, or endorsement stuff like that where, where the team will go to a player and the player will be like, don't talk to me, just talk to my guy. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, we're your employer. Like, like you got to respond to it, right? It was a little bit of friction at the beginning. But then after they, again, like the agents, they realized that we just wanted to help and that we, we also look out for the organization. So we're not going to, you know, when it, when it comes to content creation, when it comes to the endorsements, we're not going to put our players in a situation where it's going to make look the organization bad or that fans are going to look at them and say, what are you doing, dude? Like, you know, we're yeah. cognizant of that. Like, I've been on that side, so I'm not going to put that um, at risk. And right now we have, man, we have great relationships. We... We're actually working with right now on a project with the Bills. Uh, we work with the Dolphins. We work with the Falcons. We have a great relationship with, with those franchises now. Um, but since what we do is kind of different, it definitely took a little bit of time for them to adjust and realize that we just want to help, right? We don't want to compete with them or we just – we're part of their team. Like, we are, we work with agents. Um, but that was a great question, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like you're providing a service that a lot of these, like – the higher ups in the organizations or even a lot of these agents who have been doing it for a long time didn't care or realize that they needed the organization need or their uh, their clients needed. It's just like kind of an almost a new wave still in a lot of ways, this branding and marketing individual players. I think a lot of agencies and sports leagues in general and teams like I don't know if they don't care, but they just don't realize how important it is in a lot. Right. Of ways. And it's hard like when you have a you know, 53, so you have a 53-man roster plus whatever mm -hmm. you have in your practice squad. So, like, how can you really take care of each player individually and dive into their needs? Um, like, it's 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 impossible for them. Again, yeah. and it's not, it's not their fault because really that's not their, um, it's not their job. Like, they're, yeah. you know, they're, they have to bring results, so there's, that's not what they're supposed to do. Um, so that, I, that that's where we come in and, and try to bridge that gap uh, for them and um yeah no we have a great relationship with them and um i i feel like you know the thing that's most important for us is just to make sure that the players understand um that we're there for them and that if we need to talk to the team we can talk to the team and we talk to the agent we talk to the agent just to take everything out the players uh play so that they can just do what they do because man at the end of the day they have to perform right you have a player, man, they can be in the community. They can do a lot of stuff. But let's face it, if if, if you don't do what you're supposed to do on Sunday, um, people don't care. Like you're there just to perform. And it's just the reality of, of the industry. So um, we just try to help them just, you know, make sure that they always keep that, you know, at the top of it at least. So with everything, you know, we've covered so far, um, you know, what's kind of like for for yourself and and your group there at Avalon, like what's the next step for you guys? Like you've accomplished so much relatively quickly, it would seem, right? Big picture. What are your what are your thoughts? What are you trying to get into and how are you trying to grow this, if if at all? Yeah. 
Um, I think everything happened so fast. I, I, I don't. I honestly didn't think, even in my best, you know, case scenario, I didn't think we were gonna be doing what we're doing now. And and everything, like you said, happened so fast. So I think the trajectory of of, of Avalon and what we're doing, um, I think we're gonna be a number one agency in the country. I mean, I think we're gonna. Right now, we you know we we sent a basal player um, two weeks ago. We're working with you know Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, we're in conversations with other big, big names in the NFL, um, teams that want to, you know, get us on board to work on projects. So um, I think we're, we're, we're definitely headed that way. Uh, and we're also working in, you know, we're going to open up soon a, an entertainment division, which is going to focus on building brands for, you know, music artists, comedians and stuff like that. Because um, entertainment, I feel like it's it's very connected to sports. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we were with, you probably saw, we were with Rick Ross um, a week oh, ago, yeah. two weeks ago in Miami with Nick. Um, so we had, you know, pretty good conversations and, and um, about things that, that we want to do. And um, yeah, we just want to just continue to grow this thing, um, get local talent. I think here at Buffalo, man, um, there's so many people that are really talented that, that, you know, they feel like they're stuck here and we just want to give them a chance to, to, do what they love and, and do it at a high level, right? Having having them performing, compete with people from Florida, from California. Um, I think that's that's what we want to do. So I, I do think that the next the next year or two are, are going to be key for us um, as we you know acquire more players and, and we we open up you know new offices and stuff like that. That's awesome, Tudes. What do you got here? What else you got? I got a I got one or two more I want to ask him, but I want to make sure. Get you in there. Yeah. One thing I wanted to revisit is personal brands in the NFL. And it seems to me like that's a little bit of a newer, almost a newer phenomenon. I think it's awesome, right? You start to see the personality of these guys. Have you seen pushback from fans or fan bases on that? Just thinking about like so many people, I think, in that our NFL fans fall behind because they think when a guy focuses on their personal brand, they're not focused on Sundays when, like you said, in reality, they are, that's their number one priority. Right. Have you, have you guys had to kind of combat any of that with people starting a podcast or things like that? Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And that, that's a new thing. I mean, I can think of so many players I can think of, you know, I can think of like, Antonio Brown would that happen? I remember when when the, the the Jets incident happened and he went on to the I am I am athlete podcast and he was talking and he was just so so that tells you what I was just saying of like what matters is what happens on the field. So he did that and then he went on the podcast. People were just killing him online. Like, why are you doing? Like, this is that it all makes sense. Now, if you're Aaron Donald and you win the Super Bowl and you go on a podcast, you have your own podcast. People are like, oh my God, like he's such a, you know, he's an entrepreneur. He's a great guy. Like, right. So whatever you do on the field and then whatever you do off the field, like people are going to connect it to like, and there's just no way that like, there's no way we can avoid it. Um, but if you think about it five years ago, even three years ago, players were looked at as, as numbers. And I think that's why these athletes got tired of it. And you got the, I am, you know, more than an athlete movement. Because guys are tired of just being looked at as athletes. Like, they, they really can't voice their opinion. If you go on Twitter nowadays and say the wrong thing, you might be out of the team. So if you if you look at it this way, it's like we have a voice. We can go on Twitter, and you can have an opinion, and I can have a different opinion, but we're free to put it out. Athletes are not because they're, they're, they're tied to a contract because they represent an organization, so they really don't have the freedom to speak their minds, which is, which is crazy. So I think now with athletes having podcasts and having their own brand, I feel like they understood that they don't need the traditional media to be able to get their message across. They have their own platform. In many cases, larger platforms in traditional media. People mm-hmm. want to hear what they have to say, right? Um, so I feel like there's still going to be a little bit of friction um, with guys just trying to kind of express whatever their feelings are. Um, but I think over time, people are going to get used to it and, if I, you know, if we go maybe five, 10 years from now, I, I feel like um, these guys are going to take over traditional media and we're going to be all turning into to their platforms uh, instead of, you know, the, the ESPNs, Fox Sports and all that stuff, just because 
these guys are raw, they're real, and, and they can relate in many ways to what, you know, just regular people go through. Do you think what you guys are doing too, in some ways, can shift the way that f- the fan experience in the game is too? Because I, I think of soccer, right, with with your background. You look at it, so many people that are soccer fans, they're fans of Ronaldo or they're fans of Messi. And if those guys go from one team to another, they follow them and they watch that team, right? Do you see what mm-hmm. you guys are doing, maybe doing that in the NFL where it's – you know, now Tyreek Hill has a brand and he leaves Kansas City and goes to the Dolphins. Well, now a lot of those people are maybe going to watch, you know, more Dolphin games on Sundays. And Do you see what you're doing kind of evolving the way fans watch sports here? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so, and especially because guys are, I mean, it would be, it's for an example of, 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 of Jordan Poirier. So Jordan, a lot of people, a lot of people that don't even like football or don't even like the Bills, are our Poyers fans because of his story, right? Because he went out and said, hey man, I could be a millionaire, I could be successful or a star, but bro, I'm an alcoholic and I have the same issues that you have. Um and I have struggles in life and I have like all these things that that you know are part of life. So so it doesn't matter what you do for a living, like we all struggle. So because of that, we get emails every single day from people saying, hey, I want to connect with Joran. Like, I love Joran. I'm, I'm from, man, all over the world. Um, so he, he now has a platform that he decides to retire in a year or two. And he wants to start whatever. I promise you he's going to have people behind because of who he is, right? Because he took the, the time and he's like, man, I, I want to do that. So I do think the, the fan experience is going to change. Um and now more than ever, fans are becoming fans of the players and of the individuals, not only the athlete, but really the human being behind that jersey, uh, which is an era. Like that wasn't like that before. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see really that that shift in the next, you know, two or three years. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You start I feel like I started to see a little bit of that, like at least when we were growing up, growing up here in the United States. I think that what opened the door for that in some ways was the fantasy football thing. Cause mm. that got kind of started. I don't know how you feel about that Toots, but a little, it nudged a little bit of the sports gambling side right. of it, the legal ways. Right. And then it also kind of nudged like, cause you're so focused on the players because you want yeah. them to get the points. Right. I would, it'd be interesting to break that down more and see like how connected that is. But I always thought that, you know, even, you know, when I was younger, I was like, Oh, you kind of see, you know, the Ladanian Tomlinson's and stuff like that way back in the day. But that just, that just, uh, Daver's answer there kind of made me think of that. But yeah, I mean, Daver, one last thing for, I mean, honestly, bro, I feel like I could sit here for four hours and just rip off. <laughs> you, but I know you don't got the time for that, but That's definitely, okay. yeah, definitely have to, uh, get you back on at some point and everything like that. But, uh, final question here. Um, one piece of advice, one lesson you learned, if you could tell somebody, whether that's, you know, a young soccer player back in Columbia that was in the same situation you are, you know, a, a kid here in the United States who maybe wants to play pro, you know, American football and, you know, or even someone who wants to be, a, you know, in marketing, a sports agent, right? Mm-hmm. Something you've learned along the way so far, what would be the, the biggest piece of advice that you could give? That's great. That's a great question, man. Um, I think, and, and, and we get, you know, we get emails and, and stuff like that, DMs all the time from, from people that, that see the sport sports industry so far away from them. Um, and I feel like this is applicable not only to the sports industry, but whatever you want to do in life, right? Um, the biggest piece of advice, man, is just you got to perfect your craft. Like, this is the thing. Like, you're going to have competition, in any field, whether you want to work in sports, whether you want to be a lawyer, whether you want to be a broadcaster, you're going to have competition. You won't be the only one doing whatever you want to do. Let's face it. You won't be the only one. So what can you do to differentiate yourself from the crowd? And and I feel like that's very, you know, you, you hear that a lot. But really, let's dive into what am I doing to be different? Am I waking up early? Am I... You know, how how am I getting better every day? Like what what type of like, you know, let's say, you know, I have a podcast or you know, whatever. 
what type of content am I putting out? What, 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 what value am I bringing to my audience or to my players or to my team or to my organization? Uh, you, you talk about football, like, man, football is crazy. Like only 1% of 1% make it to the league. So what are you doing to be part of that 1%? How are you taking care of your body? Are you wasting your time on social media? Like just look at, at a whole lot kind of what you're doing and just focus on your craft, perfect your craft. And like, just like I was telling Lorenzo's story, like I promise you that at some point in your life, someone is going to open that door. You don't, you, you just got to be ready because you don't know when that's coming, you know? And I've seen cases too, even teammates, bro, that they were, like, they were more talented than, than I was. Like I would look at these kids in practice. I was like, damn, like they're good. And when they, when the door opened for us, open for them, they just weren't ready, you know, because they thought that talent was enough. And talent is not enough for, anything sports business you know you could be very skilled but if you don't have that passion and if you don't think you're the best at what you do you know that's not that's not thinking that's not thinking you're, you're better than anybody else. that's just thinking that because you're the best you have to kind of honor that and every every single day that you're waking up be like bro like if i'm the best i have to act like the best like i have to put in the work i have to um you know motivate my people around and I promise you that when that opens, man, you just like you've done it so many times that it's just like, hey, it's just another day in my life, and you're just gonna go and crush it. So perfect your craft, be patient, and and I'm sure that that that's in my opinion, that's just the key to success, you know. David, this was amazing. So much great advice, so many good stories in here. Like I said, I feel like I could sit here for another four hours and just pick your brain, but um, thank you so much for your time, taking the time to sit down with us. Would love to do it again in the future. If there's anything we can ever do, you know, have some guys on for you to tell their story, anything we can help with what you're doing. You got my number now, hit us up, always down to help, man. It was such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you so yes, much. Sir. No, appreciate you both. It was, it was awesome. Uh, and yeah, man, I look forward to doing this again. Thank you. Thanks, David. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Make sure you uh, – we'll be tagging. You know, check out the posts. Check the tags. We'll have David and uh, Avalon tagged in there so you can check out what they're doing. Uh, really an amazing story. A lot of good advice. So thank you so much, David. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week for another episode of Just Dishing It. See you.